Broadcasting from Oklahoma, the tornado capital of the world, home of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the University of Oklahoma Sooners. This is the Curated Experience Show, a weekly podcast about the customer experience with viewpoints you will not hear anywhere else. And now your host, author, and customer experience expert, Amos Tanuma. Welcome to the Curated Experience. I am your host, Amos Tanuma. If this is your first time listening to us, you are in for a treat. Our show has one mission. It's about getting you intentional about your customer experience. Whether you define ex- your customer as a general public, other businesses, your employees, we are here to help. So I want to jump right in today. It's, uh, it's been a few weeks since uh, we've uh, put a show out. Uh, um, I've been um, out of pocket for a few weeks now. So really excited to be back back here with you guys. Um, I've got a, I've got a great guest on for you guys today. I've got, uh, Chris Lawson with Lawson Concepts. We've had Chris on the show once before. Uh, Lawson Concepts, they are, uh, consultancy and, uh, they really focus on the overall customer experience with an emphasis on the agent experience. So Chris, welcome back to the show. We are glad to have you back on again. Thank you, Amos. It's great to be here again. Good, good talking to you. So, 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 Chris, I want to sort of set things up here and um, and really talk about um, how we measure the customer experience qualitatively, particularly in the contact center. So, you know, as a consumer, I call my call centers, contact centers, and have inquiries and do sales and what have you. So, really, to get us started, what do organizations typically do? in terms of quality assurance? How do they know that you know, people, folks like me and our audience who call in, that they're getting the best experience possible? You know, that's a, a really uh, intriguing question, uh, Amos, because so many organizations um, I have found over the years do it so differently. And and I've actually have had organizations ask me and, and also in participating in, in professional Context center organizational groups of of this very topic, and one of the questions that comes up is, you know, what should we be measuring? How should be we be evaluating um, the agents? And and a lot of what I hear is pretty much what has been done for the last twenty five to thirty years in in call centers, and and I think that while there are some great programs as far as the organizational program to do uh, QA evaluations. I think a lot of organizations um, think or have talked with other ones, uh, companies, as far as here's what you need to, to measure. But the problem with that is one size doesn't fit all. And as part of that equation, the organization really needs to think about what is it that is important to their customer base? Because, you know, my company versus your company, the customers ha- have different viewpoints about what is important to them. And it's those things that organizations should be focusing on what they should need to evaluate so that they can improve upon delivering what the expectations are of their customers. So, 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 you know, to, to get a little more in, in depth in that. So, so basically, it, it turns into a form, right? So it turns into, oh, you got to do the call control. You got to, did you do this? Did you ask for the sale? Did you upsell? It turns into to that, right? And then it becomes a, 
a numeric output. Am, am I am I stating that correctly? <laughs> it it is, and that that is exactly how most organizations do it. And I, I think part of the reason for doing that, and there are lots of systems that will help you do that, is that it, it can be pretty time consuming. But on the other hand, it's an awfully important part of making sure that you're delivering on your promise to your customers to create loyalty and to really get rid of customer churn. So, 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 so let me, let me interject. I mean, you talked about time consuming. So, so realistically, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm calling AT&T, for example, or whoever, my phone company. And let's say the center takes a thousand calls a day. How many of them are they? Are they, are they, in, in, from what your experience, do they usually get to and then they go, what does that look like? Um, o- open the curtain a little. Well, so most organizations, they'll, in their QA, and again, depending upon the size of the organization and their customer base, will set some metric for their, their QA to area to do X number of evaluations per rep per month. Got it. And um, if you've got a lot of agents and a lot of phone calls, you know, you take, for example, let's go something much bigger, which is, uh, you know, 20, 25 million phone calls a year. You've got um, 2,000 uh, agents. That's a lot of phone calls. And right. but part of the big problem is that you also have to understand what kind of phone calls are you going to target because obviously every organization has different call types. And part of that that issue then is a matter of if I'm going to randomly sample these phone calls, um, I can spend a lot of time trying to find a phone call to evaluate because if I'm looking for a phone call that matches the criteria that I have on my evaluation form, then I may spend a lot of hours just trying to find a single phone call. In fact, I've talked to QA analysts that they can spend eight eight hours and only find one phone call for that particular agent. Wow. So, so then, so then, you know, big picture, you've got the system where I say they do this random sampling and you're actually even questioning it. Um, what they're actually measuring may not make sense because oftentimes you pick up the phone, you call the other call center, what are you guys doing and what have you. And, and then the sampling size and then how laborious it is. But all in all, they, they, they get, they put this all together and it spits out a number. And have you found that in, in many organizations, they go, they set whatever, you know, 95% is an A. Are people patting themselves on the back and saying we're doing great? Or what kind of judgments are made from this very flawed processes? Well, I, I think that the judgment is that we're doing that organizations are, are thinking that, hey, we're doing great. Our customers right. love us. We're we're just doing everything perfect. <laughs> and and as we all know as consumers, when we make make these phone calls ourselves, um we don't think that. And if you look at some of the customer satisfaction indexes that are available across right. the industries, right. customer uh, satisfaction is not very good. <laughs> right. So, so you say, are you suggesting that if we were to do a delta between uh, what the internal 
uh, whatever you want to call it, quality assurance, that it uh, measures are, and what the objective numbers are, we're going to see this huge gap. I, yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think many times an organization can get numb to the metrics and right. the, they just continually, we see this number. Okay, it, maybe it, it it moves up or down a little bit, but you know we're we're doing fine. But right. if if you go look at customer satisfaction scores or some of the things that are happening on social media, they don't. There's there's a disconnect there between what's really going on um, because the scores aren't aren't really bearing that out. <clears throat> I was talking with a, a company not too long ago that had changed their their QA process and that their customer satisfaction has dramatically improved. And I asked them, I said, what, now, what, what do you attribute that to? And they said, well, it's because we changed the evaluation forms and we changed the process. And so my question is, well, so how did, you know, how did that really increase it? Well, our, our QA f- scores dramatically improved. <laughs> right. And so their assumption is because our, our internal QA scores improved, it had to mean that our external customer satisfaction was automatically improving. Right. And again, I think you know, we organizations have to be careful and really think through what these metrics are are telling them and and making assumptions that Again, of what's important to the customer. I know a lot of organizations, you know, part of their evaluation is you have to use the customer's first name right. three times in the conversation. <laughs> right. Many of them don't and, care. And if, and if you, and research has shown you ask customers and they go, no. In fact, when that's done with me and somebody uses my, my first name, I feel a little bit of, of an intrusion because you, you don't know me. Right. Three and times is a little much, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so 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 let's pivot a little. So so here's my here's my take. Um, sounds to me as though we've got this flawed system. Uh, judgments are made. It sounds like the correlation between internal QA scores and the actual objective customer satisfaction uh, results uh, are nebulous at best. Uh, I'm sure bonuses and all kinds of things are paid out, and everyone's like, "Yeah, things are great." Meanwhile, there's no real correlation. My question to you though is. We've now been doing this now for, to your point, 25, 30 years. You know, what does the future look like? Or maybe put it in a, in a different way. What are forward-thinking organizations that you're working with? What are they doing? What, what does it look like for them? Well, I think the biggest key that, that organizations are, are starting to, to do and, and the platforms are, are enabling these capabilities is to use speech analytics and um and there's a couple different flavors of that if you have speech analytics obviously you can just you can leverage that but some of the platforms have speech analytics that is automated for quality monitoring so now what that gives organizations is it takes some of the burden off of or takes a, really a lot of burden off the QA analyst of spending hours trying to locate phone calls because now you can put in the phrasing, the types of things that you really want to zero in on for what your customers and your agents are are saying to one another. And if you've got some really great 
methods of evaluation, and I'm not talking about you know whether or not I said your name three times, but diving deeper into the the customer experience, then the QA analysts are automatically going to have for you know Agent Betty. Here are for the this time frame. Here are these phone calls that have this type of criteria, and it makes it much easier then to not only do the scoring, but it also plays more into helping the QA department right. to look at what are some coaching opportunities. Because in coaching opportunities, are really an integral part of, of doing QA. It's, it, it, you just can't test people and say, do better. <laughs> right. It, it, right. You know, don't you, right. you have to have some coaching, but you, there has to be a balance of, of that. No, I, I, I agree. And, and, and I think the, the point I want to make sure our listeners also, also got out of what you're saying is, you know, we've just started talking about this sampling. You got someone pecking around for a call and, and in what you're describing, we've got technology that allows you to listen to hundred percent of the calls. Right. And so then it's, it's really now a matter of, now I'm being more intentional about what are the things that are important to your customers so that you can then narrow focus on uh, upskilling and, 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 and coaching people specifically to those areas versus what you had uh, versus what you had in the, in the past. But to the point of marrying together what your customers want and what, what to focus on, what are some things you've told clients about how to sort of how do you sort of marry those two things? Because you, you, you talked about this, you know, what most people in the profession do is pick up the phone, what does everyone else does, and they, they copy it. How do they begin to sort of figure out, okay, what is important to my customers? And so then I can then take that and go plug it into my speech analytics or whatever uh, technology they have. How do they find, their, uh, find that out? So there are a couple of ways of, of organizations doing that. One, they can look at, what they're doing with their customer satisfaction surveys. Um, or they can look at, at, at maybe even their NPS or, or customer effort scores if, if they're doing that. But again, you have to be careful because I've seen a lot of customer uh, surveys that it's obvious from reading <laughs> the way that they're worded, it's always going to give the, the organization a positive score. And it's great to hear, we all want to hear good things about ourselves, but if we're going to really improve, we have to be willing to accept that there's going to be some negative or constructive criticism because those are the opportunities to improve upon things. And so I think one way that companies are doing that is to have some focus groups with customers and find out Really, what is important to them? You're right. using my product. You're using my service. Um, sure, you can tell me what, what's good about it, but tell me what's bad about it. Right. Do, we have a, do we have defects in, in the product? Do we have you know, procedures or, or processes that are inflexible right. that don't really meet your needs? Those are the types of things that can help you then understand really what you should be evaluating because if you find – these specific areas um, and in your product or service is you know changing over time, then those are one some of the things that you can begin looking at 
uh, to do evaluations on. And again, it's another, it, it plays into the coaching opportunities then to continue to have uh, continuous improvement. I agree. And we can, we can keep going at this for, uh, for, for, for a long, long time and we'll have to bring you back on. But before I let you go, uh, I, I gotta ask this question. I, uh, that, that, that sort of nags me on this. This seems so obvious to me. And this seems that we should all know that doing these sampling calls and patting ourselves on the back, that it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it, it, it seems meaningless. But why aren't more organizations, you know, making the switch to sort of rethinking how to do cure? What has been, from what your experience, what has been the obstacle in the way of doing that? Well, I think that the problem with whether, no matter what kind of, of performance metrics that, that you're doing, is it can be time-consuming. And again, there are so many other challenges in the day-to-day operations of a contact center is they kind of get set aside. And, and even though you have dedicated people and resources, everybody, no matter what size company you are, the resources are stretched to their limits and they're continuously being asked to do more and more with fewer and fewer resources. And so I think that that's a big issue of, of uh, trying to reevaluate and, and redevelop um, your evaluation program and take that initiative on because there's just so many other competing projects within the organization that sometimes they're deemed to be, to be more important. Wow. Well, um, Chris, again, uh, thanks for your for your wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, I I, I want to thank you again for uh, for coming on the show. Uh, for our audience, there, you know, I I think one of the big things we we've learned today is, you know, if you are looking at your quality assurance and you're looking at these scores, they're going up, they're going down a little bit, and things look fine. I really encourage you to uh, to go out in the marketplace and really talk to real customers, look at uh, customer satisfaction indexes. And realize things aren't going fine. Customer experience scores, uh, from all indications, are going down. So it's really time to sort of begin to uh, to relook at those things. Uh, once again, uh, uh, Chris Lawson from Chris La- uh, from Lawson Concepts. Thanks, thanks so much for coming to the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Amos. Thank you, and to you folks out there. Thank you for listening to the show today. I invite you to join the conversations on my website at amostanuma.com where you can read my blog or buy a copy of my book, The Curated Experience. It's available on audiobook and Amazon and at fine retailers everywhere. And until next time, remember, the experience is either random or intentionally curated. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Curated Experience with Amas Tanuma. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll join the conversation online by visiting us at curatedcx.com or at amastanuma.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-D-C-X dot com or A-M-A-S-T-E-N-U-M-A-H dot com. And please invite your friends and colleagues to visit our website or iTunes where they can check this and previous podcasts. This has been a Beyond LLC production. Check us next time for another edition of The Curated Experience. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash people could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure, you were wrong 
when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA.